Any successful plan requires wisdom and preparation, and retirement is no different. It's time for the Plan Wise Retire Free Podcast. Welcome into another edition of the podcast. It's Plan Wise Retire Free with Jude Wilson here with me to talk about key financial decisions during major life events. And we've got a number of them we want to go through and try to highlight some things to think about should we be faced with some of these scenarios. And obviously, many of these are going to affect most of us, and hopefully some of these won't affect us. But uh, it is, you know, it's fact of life that things are going to happen. Major things are going to happen to us along the way. And there's some financial things to be on the lookout for as we move through them. So that's going to be the topic this week. We'll get into it with Jude. How are you, my friend? Man, I'm doing excellent. You know, on the day that we're taping this, it's a it's a Friday, so I'm looking forward to the weekend. That's right. Buddy. That's right. You and I were joking. We're like, "What are we doing doing a podcast on a Friday? We don't usually do that, but that's all right. <laughs> it's always good to talk to you, and I hope you're well and uh, and your lovely wife as well. And let's uh, thank let's, you, brother. Yeah, man, absolutely. Let's get into the podcast and talk a little bit about this. And of course, as always, folks, if you got questions, need some help, reach out to Jude and his team at Centrust Financial Strategies. Uh, before you take any action on anything you hear from really any financial show. Always want to see how it relates to your specific unique situation. Find them online at centrustfs.com. That's centrustfs.com. And uh, Jude, major life events going to happen to us all. Let's start with a happy one here. Uh, marriage, right? So at some point, we are going to get married and, and combine our worlds. And that uh, that poses some challenges for people. Absolutely. And I, I have really been looking forward to this episode because a lot of the financial planning that we do is being proactive and thinking about these major life events mm-hmm. before they happen right. or walking a, a client through them as they happen because they became a client before this life event actually or during this life event actually happening. Right, right. So I, I am I'm thrilled to talk about this. And marriage is a big one. I've seen a lot of different ways for people to handle their finances. There's a great book out there called Love Languages. And if you haven't heard of it, it's basically how to speak to your spouse in the language that they understand the most. I really wish there was a book out for financial love languages. <laughs> <laughs> so you could learn about what what drives or motivates your spouse financially. Right. But here are some things that I think definitely need to be talked about uh, ahead of time um, prior to the marriage or, or, or soon thereafter. Budgeting. Mm-hmm. Budgeting causes a lot of stress for people. Uh, whether you're a, a young couple or an older couple, combining your finances and figuring out how you're going to, to actually make that work, there's a lot of different strategies. So the one that I, I have seen and heard of the most mm-hmm. is an acronym called MOI, like toy, but MOI. Okay. And it's it's mine, ours, and yours. Hmm. So through Three separate accounts. Right. I've got my own account, my checking account, my savings account, our joint account, and then your account. Okay. And the, our account is usually the account where all the bills get paid. We decide uh, X amount of our salary goes into the our account. X amount of my salary goes into my account. That way I can... If I wanted to buy my golf clubs and I I don't need to necessarily discuss it or get your permission or if I want right. to surprise you with a with a special gift, I don't need to worry that you're looking at the bank account. So that's the most typical one. But That's a good one. I but, like that. Yeah. But I'll tell you the strangest one I've ever seen. Okay. 
And if this client is listening, I'm not mentioning your name, <laughs> but this is this is the one that that shocked me the most. I was meeting with a new client. She had recently gotten married, and I asked her about how do they handle the finances in their household. And she said, "Well, my spouse is a finance guy. He's he he loves numbers. So what he proposed and what we actually do is he pays all the bills." And then at the end of the month, he sends me an invoice for my part. Yeah, said, I've heard that before, too. It's very strange. He sends you an invoice? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so that's just to say that there's many different ways to, to handle it. But that's, yeah. that's one. But you got to have a strategy, to your point, for sure. Because it's the number one thing that couples fight about, right, is money. So, uh, you know, try to get that off the table. And, and we'll move. We'll move it into the second one here, Jude, on my list, which is remarriage. Okay, so maybe, especially for a lot of our listening audience who are maybe you know fifty plus, and, and gray divorces, uh, unfortunately, have become more popular. We're going to talk about that in a second. So inevitably, a remarriage could be on the horizon, right? And so, so my wife and I, so it's her second marriage, my first. Um, and you know, so blended family concerns and, and even finances. Like we went into it to your point. Uh, a second ago, which is marriage in general, we went into it saying, okay, we're, we were fully functioning adults that had lives prior to getting together. And so we had our own ways of doing things. So that's certainly something to take into consideration. Well, I got to tell you, this is a, a really important one. They're all important to me, but this is really important because we see your situation all the time, a remarriage or uh, marrying someone who had been married prior, right? Uh, like you, your first marriage, but now you have a blended family. And the biggest mistake I see often when someone is a new client, we get all of their statements and we're looking at them and we see accounts that are titled joint tenants with rider survivorship. It's okay. usually the default at most financial institutions. They don't even ask you. They say, hey, you want to open up a joint account? They title it that way. But here's the problem with that, particularly if you come from a blended family. Your wife passes away. Now, all of the prior to her passing away, all the accounts were joint tenants with right of survivorship. If you're not a great guy, she's basically disinherited her kids because the joint rights with right of survivorship, you get a hundred percent of the money once your spouse passes away. Mm, okay. So if she had some concerns that she wanted to leave X to her kids, which I'm sure is normal, right? Of course. Yeah. She just basically has to depend on the fact that you're a good guy and hopefully will do that. So absolutely talk to an attorney. We can't give legal advice, but that's one to definitely look out for if you're uh, entering into a second or third marriage and you're doing and you're a blended family. Yeah, set up all the proper stuff and, and some simple stuff, too, is just updating beneficiaries and insurance policy information because... You know, most people don't realize, Jude, we've talked about this numerous times in other podcasts, that off, that trumps a will. So you could put in your will that you want X, Y, Z to happen. But if you still have, especially for a remarriage, I mean, every just about every advisor I know has a story where somebody got remarried and left the ex-spouse on some sort you're, of you're, something. You're stealing my thunder. I got a great story for you. Oh, okay. Well, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, so to that point, in, in, in fact, this affects both remarriage and our next topic, divorce. Sure, we can go right into uh, it with it, yeah. Yeah, so beneficiaries, as you said, is one of the most important things that we do at the firm. We we look at the beneficiaries and go over this annually with our clients. 
one horror story that I that uh, an advisor that I know actually this happened to or had a client that this happened to. Client was a bus driver for 40 years in New York, had a great pension, well over a million dollars, was married to his wife for 25 years, got divorced, actually married a mutual friend of the wife. Uh, the new the the new wife was a mutual friend of both of theirs. Right. So the divorce was not acrimonious. It wasn't painful. Everybody got along. Okay. They great. actually went on vacations together. Their kids knew each other from both sides. The husband passes away, and in his will, he had that his current wife receives the pension, sure, and his ex wife receives. I think it was like something like two hundred thousand dollars. But he never changed the beneficiary on the pension. Right. So what actually happened is the current wife received everything, the pension, all of the money. And when the ex-wife said, you know, it was, let's call him Bob, Bob's intention to- uh, Leave me the 200 grand. To give me the 200 grand. Yeah. uh, Will you do that? And current wife, as you could imagine, said no. Yeah. (laughs) No. Uh, So- (laughs) So beneficiaries absolutely must be updated and checked every year. Yeah. Yeah. And that works well going into the divorce conversation like you're talking about, uh, because that was third on our list. And and there's certainly things that you want to look at besides just that, too, when figuring out going through a major life event like a divorce. And obviously dividing assets is the big one here, Jude, because uh, sometimes people get very worked up and it's an emotional thing. And they're like, well, you take the house and I'll take the 401 or something like that. And mm-hmm. that may not be the best move. Right, right, right. And so um, the with the divorce, one of the things to look at, and we, we kind of touched on this or, or should have maybe touched on this initially, is a prenup. I don't see a lot of prenups in clients that come to me, but it's something that you should think about absolutely if you're coming to the marriage with a substantial amount of money. Yeah. Probably a little but more popular have, in remarriages, I would imagine, with folks having a little yes, something. But yeah. Yes, yes. But what I have seen, and I've talked about with several attorneys and our clients, is a prenup agreement post-marriage. And the way that this works is that, say, you and your wife have been married and you pass away, your wife is thinking about getting remarried to this 25-year-old model stud you know, who, who absolutely loves her just for her. It's not after the money. We know that, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but if there is a, uh, a prenuptial agreement in the trust documents, that means your wife would have to have this new husband sign a prenup prior to them getting married. The benefit of that is it takes the pressure off of her to say, hey, uh, I want a prenup. She can say, look, my my previous husband had us put this into agreement. And so the only way that I can enjoy all of the assets is if new husband, if you sign this prenup. And uh, what happens is it basically, yeah, it basically takes the pressure off of her because it was something that was done prior to them meeting. And two, it protects the kids because if there is this person who has ill intent, well, they're not going to get 50% of what you left over to your wife. Yeah. Yeah. That's a kind of an interesting way to do that. It maybe takes out a little bit of the, uh, I can't believe you're asking me to sign one of those things. Yeah. Kind of feelings, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And yeah. again, this is not legal advice. This is just observations that we've seen. Yeah. 
talk to an attorney about it. Well, when you're talking about marriage, remarriage, or divorce, certainly you want a, a team on your in your corner anyway, uh, especially for remarriage and divorce. Maybe not so much the first marriage, but because uh, a lot of times we get married when we're in our early 20s, we don't have anything anyway. But uh, remarriage and divorce, certainly you want to have that you know the legal attorney helping you out, but also the financial professional as well. So kind of a you know a, a complete team, if you will. Uh, yes. All right, job changes, another major life event. Uh, there's, there's some key things just to think about here. Should you change the jobs, especially after COVID, right? Or during COVID, we saw a lot of people losing jobs, changing jobs, uh, retiring early, switching careers, you know, whatever the case might be, whether you were asked to switch, <laughs> a.k.a. let go, or be <laughs> chose to, right? What are some things to think about? Well, this is, this is the biggest one that I see, and I'm trying to touch on the biggest one in each one of the categories. So the biggest one that I see is that, disability and life insurance are usually very inexpensive through your company because your company has negotiated a rate for the employees, for all the employees. And so sometimes it's cheaper buying life insurance or disability through your company. But most of the time, those policies are not what they call portable. You leave the company, you can't take it with you. So we try to advise clients, definitely look at having your own policies in addition to what you have at work. And maybe you just need your own policies just to supplement what you have at work. Because if you leave that job, now you're completely naked if you don't own anything outside of the company. So that's one that uh, we see often. Okay, good. Uh, And I imagine other big ones are probably how to handle like a severance or or a buyout or some some sort of, you know, you know, if you severance package or or layoff type of thing, whatever the you know going through, often we see that lump sum. Do I take the lump sum or do I take the pension? Definitely. That kind of thing. So, Definitely, yeah. we do those calculations all the time to make sure that it's most advantageous. You're choosing the option that's most advantageous to you, not leaving it up to the default or for the company. Yeah. All right, let's do two more here, Jude, to wrap up. And of course, there's lots of major life events, but we're trying to hit on some biggies here. Uh, And so let's go to retirement. Okay, so we've gone through some major life events. You know, retirement is coming and it is a major life event. Like, you know, like it or not, or however it is that you think about it, it's a big deal, right? I mean, sometimes we look at it and say, okay, what's the end of the road or whatever. But, you know, we really should look at it as the beginning of a new road, which we've talked about many times. So you got to have some steps in place because you're kind of surprised. Many people are caught off guard about how many little things go into retirement. Yeah, two things in here that I that we commonly see. I ask a new client all the time, what do you think will be your biggest expense in retirement? And the number one answer I hear is healthcare. And they're close. Healthcare is depending on who you read, number one or number two, but most of the time number two. The biggest expense that that retirees will have in retirement is taxes. Yeah, it's a and big so a lot of advisors talk about investment diversification. Don't put all your eggs in one basket, buy different investments. Sure. But very rarely do advisors talk about tax diversification. So mm. having some money that will be taxable when you retire, because you've been putting it in your 401k or IRA, but now when you pull it out, it's fully taxable. Having some money that is what we call investor money money that's taxed at favorable rates, capital gains and dividends, usually much less expensive than income tax. That's another, let's say, funnel, if you will. And then having tax advantage money, some money that is not taxable at all, like a Roth or an HSA, or sometimes some forms of life insurance, you could pull cash value out without any tax consequence. So 
having a plan that incorporates how to manage your money on a tax favorable basis, most clients miss that. Even if they're good financially and they kind of understand, well, how much I'm going to need in retirement and I've saved X amount. And if I, most clients don't think about taxes. Yeah. Great point for sure. You know, we started the conversation with marriage and, uh, here, you know, and you mentioned the budget word, right. And here we are at retirement and, and people hate the budget word, but another place that I think people have really got to pay attention is truly understanding what they spend because often they'll sit down Jude with someone like yourself and you'll say, okay, how much do you spend? And they'll go, Oh, we spend four grand a month. And then when you start going through the numbers, it's like, yeah, you spend double that. Right. Yeah, you know, yeah. or somebody will say, well, we make 200,000 a year between the two of us. And, uh, but we only spend, you know, 5,000 a month. And you're like, well, wait a minute, that math doesn't add up. You you're should right. have a lot more saved. Right. So I think also, you know, getting a good, accurate read on what you truly spend as you walk into retirement is important. So, that uh, you know, you can set the right. Again, nobody likes the budget word, but just so you know what your ins and outs are going to be. So, so just really quick on that. Yeah, uh, we we have a tool that we use or a strategy that we use to help people with that. So, and you're absolutely right. That happens all of the time. People, most people, don't have a, a, a real true knowledge of how much they spend. No. So we ask clients when they become a client, give us your tax returns. We look at what's the net number that they're bringing into the household. Yeah. And then we look at all of their savings and uh it's pretty obvious. Yeah, it's pretty obvious. Yeah. If you're if you're if you're netting a hundred thousand dollars coming into the household, but you're telling me you're only spending sixty, well, where's the other Where's the 40 other forty? Going? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you either saved it or you spent it. And it's not in any savings accounts, it's not in any retirement accounts. Well, guess what? You spent it, right? So that's a big eye opener for them because they, they're like, Oh, I oh, didn't think about that. Yeah, very, yeah, very true. Great point. And I'm glad you guys, that's something that uh, everybody really, that exercise people should go through, especially as they get closer to retirement. All right, let's final, finish off with our final uh, major life event. And obviously, Jude, it's just, you know, it is what it is. We nobody, you know, none of us are, are staying around forever. At some point, we're going to lose a loved one. We're going to have the death of our spouse. And uh, there's a lot of things that come at us, you know, in this one. And so what's some financial aspects to pay attention to here. I, I got a quick story I'll share with you that could probably tee sure. you up for some stuff. Uh, the house that my wife and I live in, and that we live here, we've been here about seven years. We bought it from um, the lady. She was in her early 70s. Her husband had passed away unexpectedly, and it took her three years, Jude, to clean up all of their affairs, yeah. literally clean up the house as well, but also clean up all of the affairs because they had no plans in place for anything, right? Uh, they just kind of winged everything. He was one of those kind of, you know, I, I do it myself kind of guys in every aspect. And uh, one of the things she shared with me, we spent actually quite a bit of time with her. She was really sweet and gracious and walked us through a lot of the um, the benefits of the property and some different things. And one of the things she shared with me that really stuck with me, uh, because my wife and I will be living here till we pass, is that she never got the chance to grieve her husband because she went right into I've got to fix Absolutely. everything after he passed mode and we had no plan. Right? Absolutely. It, it's, it, it's, it's heartbreaking. We unfortunately uh, get referred to clients that are going through that. And we're, uh, we have one of our team members who is excellent at helping people through uh, that time period. Mm -hmm. But a little bit being a little bit proactive helps. Goes a long uh, way. Yeah, she wished oh, she would have. She wished way. they would have done just a few things because she could have spent some time actually, you know, just you know, grieving for him, right, and mourning for him. Versus, she was right into insurance documents, this and payments that, and you know, so on and so forth, trying to figure out what they had. 
here's two quick strategies that people should consider prior to a spouse passing away. Okay. Number one, if there is a power of attorney, that power of attorney actually is terminated at death. So having a full estate plan makes a lot of sense, not just having a power of attorney. Okay. Two, making sure you understand that the death certificate is really the document that allows all the financial transactions to be executed after the death of of any individual. Mm -hmm. Without a death certificate, and in some states, uh, I've heard horror stories of it taking up to two months to get a death certificate. Oh, yeah. So we, we tell clients you should have some money set aside that you can access that doesn't need you to have the death certificate to get to that account. Right. So if and, it's, and it could be some simple stuff too, Jude, like even just titling the car, right? You know, switching things over. Like some people just get blown away about how many little things that you, if the person that passed away was on the only person listed on the car, for example, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And then one last strategy, and this is more so for the the second generation uh, that may be inheriting mom and dad's money. Mm-hmm. While the last parent is alive, is still living, if they have a sizable amount in a 401k IRA, some type of retirement account, usually at that point, that living parent is at a low tax bracket. They're living off of Social Security and maybe a pension. And the adult children are usually at the top of their career, mainly earning a lot more money. Well, they're going to inherit an IRA that's going to be fully taxable and in the future maybe at high tax rates. So sometimes what we talk to our clients about is let's get mom or dad, whoever's the living parent, to start doing some Roth conversions now, pay taxes at their current tax rate, which is far less expensive than yours. And then when mom or dad passes away, you will inherit this money on a completely tax-free basis. Yeah. So it's just one strategy to kind of think of ahead of time. Nobody likes to have these conversations But being proactive will make the, circling back to your story, give people the time to grieve without having to dig deep and become a financial Sherlock Holmes with all of this stuff. Yeah, get organized, I would say, is definitely a key point. Get organized and get professional help, Jude, right? I mean, look, at the end of the day, you know, a big takeaway for this for many people is – it's not always their bag finance and all this kind of stuff. And usually Murphy's law is the person that passes away first. And the relationship is probably the one that did do a lot of the, the financial stuff. So have a, a, a team, have a professional that you can turn to. So, you know, like for my wife, I mean, she knows that I do this for a living, right? So she's like, she's knowledgeable and she's up to speed, but she's like, Hey, when you pass, I'm going to reach out to this person, right? She knows to contact, you know, our professional so that she can do the things that she needs to do. And and then she's got that resource. Right. And I think that that's a great peace of mind for people to consider to give to their loved one as well. So, because we all know we're going to pass at some point, get the things in place so they can do the things they need to do. They can grieve for us. They can, uh, you know, take the time to to heal the way they need to and not have to stress over all the financial decisions because there's a lot of them. 
uh, at the at the loss of a loved one. So those are some major life events. Those are some things to think about. If you need help, get with a qualified professional like Jude Wilson, who is a holistic wealth manager at Centrus Financial Strategies. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, whatever platform you like using. Plan wise, retire free. Type it in the search box and you can find it that way. Or just stop by the website. Plenty of good tools, tips, and resources at CentrustFS.com. That's CentrustFS.com. Jude, thanks for hanging out, my friend. Always good to talk with you. Always good to talk to you, my friend. Enjoy it and enjoy your weekend. Absolutely, you as well. And we'll be back with more episodes here in June on Plan Wise, Retire Free with Jude Wilson. The preceding program is sponsored by Jude Wilson, who is solely responsible for its content.